Huh? You guys ready? Praise the Lord. Uh, anybody have something special in their heart tonight that you'd like to talk about? Let's talk about uh, Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> okay. Lord, Hebrews 12. I think that's where it is. Hebrews 12 about the discipline. Didn't want some discipline. Let's start in verse 1, okay? Verse 11, it talks about the great men of faith, about uh, men that were moved by faith and, and faith, uh, through faith. The Bible says that, uh, that faith is a work. It says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And it talks about these great men uh, in, that, that walked um, in the Lord and did these mighty works. In faith, and then it, these are witnesses of us today. And it says in Revelation in Hebrews 12 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also like them are compassed or surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Um, so the Bible says we're surrounded by, you know, I'm just going to start here and, and go from it then and we'll just follow through. Because I want you to understand these scriptures one by one. The Bible says that we're surrounded by other people all the time, that we're surrounded by witnesses that witness our lives. That's why it's so important, as we talked before, about a good tree bringing forth good fruit. Because people see how if you're moved by things that happen in your life, and that is the witness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says that you are our epistles, Paul said, written and read of all men. Other people read our lives and they see how we respond. You know, and by that response, they can tell whether we're a good tree or an evil tree, uh, whether we are real testimony for the Lord or we cause them to blaspheme. So the scripture is saying, so, so in that case, because everybody's watching you, Lay aside every weight, everything that's holding you back. It's kind of like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, I'm, he said, I'm running in a race. And he said, when you run in a race, you don't, you don't do as you're beating against the air. You lay aside everything in your life. Because, you know, if you, run in a, if you go to these races, you know, marathons, the different races, you see these guys, and most of them have just a little light pair of shorts on and a real light T-shirt and the lightest shoes they can wear. And they, they don't come out there all, you know, dressed with full clothing and, and really, you know, got these weights, ankle weights on and stuff like that. They'd be foolish to run like that because they couldn't win. So they want to be as light as they can. So we're in a race, the Bible says. And Paul said, in this race, he says, men do it to receive a corruptible crown. They do it to receive a, a reward when they run in a race, a trophy or money or whatever it might be. But we're running to receive the crown of righteousness. We're running to that, receive that crown from the Lord. So he, he says, so lay aside every weight, every weight and send us beseech you. And Paul says, says, I run to win, he said. I keep under my body, he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection. Lest by any means after I preach to others, I myself would be a castaway. So he said, said I, I'm, I'm going to keep under my body. I'm going to call, I'm going to do what it takes to run this race. I'm not going to give in to any temptation or any sin by, by keeping under my body. It meant I'm not going to give in to anything, the passions or the desires of the flesh that can cause me to not finish this race. And we know that Paul said in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he said, I've, I've kept the faith. At the end of his life, he said, I kept the faith. I finished the course. I fought the fight. And now is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all those that love is appearing. So we see Paul running the race, what it takes to run the race. And we see how he finished the race, ready to go and receive that crown of righteousness. So we see here in Hebrews 12, 1, we see he's again talking about the witnesses that are around you now. That you, because you have witnesses watching you and other people watching you, and not for that reason only, of course, but lay aside these things. Or you can be a really bad testimony. You, you're a bad, you can be a bad tree. 
that would bring forth corrupt fruit. So that's when we really are tested, when we're running the race, when the trial of life comes against us, when we're tested by something that comes, oh, the car's broke. Some people just start flying off the handle. Or um, a husband and wife in a relationship. He was talking to someone this week, and the wife started, started cussing, you know, and started yelling at him. And that's the thing that needs, it's got to go because it, you tell them, what you're showing people is that, hey, I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. I'm not living for God. That's what actually comes forth out of that. Or like or if, if you're saying you are living for God and you're doing that, that's really bad because you're causing people to really stumble. So run the race by laying aside every weight and every sin uh, and run it with patience. You know, be patient. Run this race. Don't stop. Don't give up. Look, look to the end. Look, and he says, I, what does he say to look to then? Looking unto Jesus, the author, the one who starts it, and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to stop there. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. I, w I want to bring something up while I'm right there. Um, I was listening to a, 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 um, a meeting on um, YouTube uh, about some of the brethren I talked with a lot, and they were having a meeting on YouTube about a three-hour meeting, and, and I heard a statement come out of the meeting, and in this statement, it, they said, they, one of the people said that, well, we know that that Jesus could never have sinned. And <laughs> immediately my antennas went up. And I said, that's not a true statement. So I brought it before them and I said, listen, and I said, I heard this, that Jesus could never have sinned. And I said, that's not right. And so I caused a whole stir, you know. And uh, so it brought up the question then, in the meeting of, of uh, and I met with him on, on Skype, and we talked about this subject. And, and I want to just, while we're right here, I'd like to look at a little bit of that with your permission and go through that and, and see. Because a lot of people think, and you may in your own, your own mind have thought or think that, well, Christ couldn't sin. He was God. And you've heard that before. Like, you know, you talk about living free from sin. and So you can't live free from sin. You have to be God to live free from sin. Only God can live free from sin. You ever heard that? Yeah, you know, I've heard that a bunch, yeah. you know, from a bunch of people. And so let's, let's see, what does the scripture say, though? And I, I'll, I'll just do this. I'll start with it. Start with it. Now, you can't say anything, uh, but the others, uh, because you heard it. But give me, what's that? We're switching what we're, we're, we're talking about. Why are we switching? I thought we were going to get into this, and then maybe we could go back to where you're going. But we're trying to, I, I thought we were. I, we'll move there and and later on. We're going to finish where we're at. We started at verse 1. Don't get upset. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Um, could Jesus have sinned? If in, in, could he have? Could he have sinned? Absolutely. Okay. He was man. Okay, good. But he didn't. Any, okay, anybody says he couldn't have sinned? Um, Everybody agrees with Don? I, I don't know what I believe when it comes to that. Okay, what are you saying? I really don't think that. I know that he was tempted. But as far I mean, why go back and forth about it? I just don't, I don't understand. If he could, he didn't. So even if he could, he, I mean, it's just not a real big, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think, I don't know. I don't very, know. very, very important for you and I's walk. Very important. Because if he could have sinned, then if he, if he couldn't have sinned, rather, then he was not our example. He could not be our example. You understand that? He couldn't be. Where is that scripture? Okay, let's let me ask somebody. Anybody want to bring it to the first scripture? Anybody have one? Philippians three. You want to start with Philippians two? Okay, Philippians two. Let's start there. See, Ben, you do need to go there. Philippians two and verse six. First Corinthians. No, Philippians. Philippians 2, verse 6. The reason why this is so important 
is because what, what you can do is you can end up giving, we don't want to give any reason for man to be able to have excuse um, if you say a man is defective in any kind of way from doing as Christ did by saying Christ could not sin because, it, at a different, had, because of a different nature Christ would have a different nature is what you're saying if you're saying he could sin he couldn't, he, he couldn't sin uh, he was born with then you are giving man a reason to excuse his sin we would have something depraved from our nature making a distinction between you and Christ. So if you are less than what Christ was on earth, then you would be depraved and your nature would not be the same as Christ, right? Because Christ would have a nature that he would never sin and you had a nature that you could sin or would sin, right? Okay? Which... You see, then, then we, we go into this, and this is what's going to prove it out. We'll, we'll look at the scripture. It says in verse um, 6, it says, Who being in the form of God, speaking of Christ, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Scripture says he emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant, and made himself in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So you see, God, and, and, and the, the God in Jesus, became man on earth. How is he, how is he limited from being from what God said, how, what, what kind of ways does the scripture say? Well, one way is, remember when they asked Jesus, says, when, is, when is the Son of Man going to come back? And Jesus said, no man knows this but the Father in heaven. Or when the two sons of Zebedee, mother came to him and says, have, have my two children sit on your side when you, when you come to throw one on your right hand and one on your left. Jesus said, it's not mine to give, but the Father's in heaven. Jesus said in, 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 um, in John 16, 20, he says, he said this, uh, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take courage because I have overcome the world. Well, what good would that do you to overcome the world, you would think, if, you know, if, just because he overcame the world? Because he showed us how to overcome the world. By being man, he showed that. Now, go with me, since we were in the book of Hebrews, go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Where do you see that at? It's right here in my Bible. You need to get a new Bible because my Bible don't say that. But it's, it's, it's a, I mean, he was fully man and fully God. He did not come as fully God. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's something you're reading on the sideline. I know where you're at, okay? Back to your scripture. Let's stick with the scripture. It's scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, he's reading Amplified. <laughs> Look at verse uh, 7, Don, of chapter 2 of Hebrews. That, chapter, chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7, Hebrews. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Could the angels have sinned? They did. They did, absolutely. They did sin. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hand. Look at verse, um, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, same flesh and blood that we have. He took part of. What did he do? He felt, remember he felt hunger in Matthew 4, Luke 4, when he was tempted by the devil and he didn't eat for 40 days. What was he? The Bible said he was hungry, wasn't he? Yeah. He felt pain. 
as he was crucified and those things that he went through. He suffered. He, he felt he, he, uh, res- he wept at the cross uh, before he went to the cross with bloods of tears. He felt all the emotions that we feel, all of that thing, same flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, thank God. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now you'll hear a lot of people say, well, Jesus uh, wasn't the same as us. Uh, He had a different nature because he wasn't born uh, from the seed of man. Well, the Bible said he was born of the seed of Abraham. That's the seed of man. And the seed of Abraham was the seed of Adam. He was born of the seed of Adam. So if people say you're born with the sin nature, guess what? Jesus would have been born with the sin nature. You know, if he couldn't fall into temptation, he never would have been tempted. That's a good point, too. What is, what is temptation? What is temptation? Temptation is uh, enticement. It's an enticement to sin. So temptation would not really be temptation, Don said, if, if, you, couldn't, if you couldn't sin, if you couldn't make the choice. Temptation is, it gives you a choice to make, right? <laughs> exactly. That's a good point, Don. It, it, because the devil, the devil knew from way behind, way back. He was way back when Christ was in, in back when Christ was there in creation, and he knew that Jesus. You know, he knew everything about him. He, he wouldn't have wasted time, like you said, tempting Jesus if he knew he couldn't make a choice to fall. Why? Because the devil, the Bible says in in Ezekiel chapter 28, if you want to go there, you can write it down somewhere. In Ezekiel 28, it talks about the devil. It says, and God says there, he says that the devil, from the time he was created, was created perfect. He was created perfect until iniquity was found in him, until he sinned. So was Christ. And he, the devil was an angel, right? He was an angel. Before, you know, he was an angel. Remember he said in Revelation 12, he pulled down a third of the angels with him when he fell. You know, when he went into sin, he pulled a third with him. So he made a choice to sin. So therefore, when the devil took Jesus, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, the devil knew in his mind, hey, I made a choice to leave God. He can make that choice too. That's why he tempted him to do it. Okay? What you got? Why does the flesh desire wrong stuff? Um, what is it? A man is, 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 is tempted by the desires of the flesh, which are the passions and the. You know what I'm talking about. What, Tell me what, why, 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 why is that? Okay, you, you, you just, it's just basically chemistry, or you know, yeah, because basically your body desires certain things. Some of those things are good things that it desires. It desires to eat. It, it, it desires to be warm if it's cold. It desires Every to be cold if it's warm. But but you can bodies. take you can take Both those. not a curse you received from Adam. The, 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 bondage, the bondage to the sin that brought you into that was when you, when you started yielding to that. And some people, and just to show you, some people yield to more of that than other people. So when you're, when you're grown up and you're a child... Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 1 as you're saying that. Oh, 1 Peter chapter... chapter uh, but, but, um, it says too we were born upright. That's right, I'm going to get to that, but I want to show him something else where he's at. And, and let's, let's talk, before we get to that, so we were born upright. So when you have a child that's like three years old and he goes grab something off of that table and says, mine, and he's mean to his other little brother and sister, 
That's his desire, his fleshly desire. I'm going to answer that with a scripture, and that's what I'm going to 1 First, Peter for. 1 Peter 1, 18. 1 Peter 18. 1, you know 18. 1, 18. It's really not disobedience until you get into the law. That's right. Until he has the law. That's right. It's not sin until he has Exactly. It's not doing anything wrong. That's Once right. you tell him that it's wrong and he does it again, then he's... Well, until he perceives... <laughs> till he, not, not even telling him, but when he perceives it's wrong. The law was created so that we can establish this. You're, you're born, the scripture says, they're born not having knowledge of good or evil. Okay. And only the law brings... That was the, what was, what the tree was all about. When he, when it, Re, uh, First Peter 1.18 says, For as much then, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your empty way of living received by tradition from your fathers. So we followed our fathers' example. Well, not this one, of course, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Let's get into this Father's Day message. No. Oh, yeah, there you go. Father's Day message. Tell us what kind of example, huh? Which could be your ancestors. Like it was traditionally they did what they wanted to do. You, you saw them doing it. Maybe right. they were hypocrites, okay. and, and I was at one so time, I, and yeah, you saw that, and that affected you. I had a dad that sold drugs, and he had a bunch of women, and this and that. Yeah, and it's I an effect on the child. Follow, I followed after his footsteps, and I didn't know anything about... I wasn't any, doing that. I'm not, talking, I'm not <laughs> pointing a finger at you, I'm just saying in general. Okay. If I had this, I never knew any knowledge of good and evil. I was never corrected for anything that I said, and I just lived the way that, that I wanted to live. And I, wasn't, I was never told this. Okay. I'm just trying to get a real grasp. Okay, wait. Let me show you. Let me show you something. Else. God gave you a conscience. Okay. You have that conscience that tells you what's good or evil. But if you're not really living for Jesus, are you convicted? I'm not. I'm not convicted about what I do. There's no conscience. Ben, they conscience. got people every day that quit doing stuff that don't have anything to do with God because they have a conscience that tells them that's wrong. Absolutely. You got people that, you, you, listen, if anybody knows, you've been in AA. There's a lot of people in there, they know it's wrong to do drugs, they're not following God, and they want to quit doing drugs. Yeah, they quit doing drugs and they can just get another addiction. So they yeah, right, because they, don't have, because they don't have Jesus to help them right. to walk through. But, but they receive these, they receive the, this way of living from the traditions of their fathers, from those that lived before them and they're following their footsteps. That's why it says, if you follow Adam, if you live after Adam, you shall die. If you live after Christ, you shall live. Adam showed sin. Christ showed righteousness. It's not that it's passed on to you. It's that if you're following that example. So Adam, whenever he did make that, that decision, and, and we call it sin, when the first, that first sin was, was done, he was enticed. The woman did the deal, and then he was enticed to follow after her, and then after his lust is fleshly desire, right? Am I, am I right. He, if, if it would have been a, a sinful nature or something, where did Adam get well, it no, from? No, no, no. I'm I, just I, saying, yeah, you'd have to I, ask, I, well, where did I, Adam we, get we it from? said that a whole lot. Right. I get that. Right. What I'm saying is, are we created with this wanting to do sinful stuff? I mean, you know, it, upright, we say that we were born upright. I just don't... But man sought after his own schemes. All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. If he, if he tilted the scales toward loving him and obeying him, then he was convinced that we do a robot. So he kind of made us upright. There's all these little influences, fleshly influences. So that's why men, I think, tend to that. And Ben, it's, it's different than when Adam was here. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, there wasn't as much temptation as what we are in, in this world now because of the time it goes. Yeah, and plus he didn't have all people doing stuff all around him that he could follow those examples. So he was, it, it wasn't his temptation. Why would you even say that we were created upright? Because I don't know anybody that has never had a stumble or, a, you know, nobody's walked like Job or anybody's walked like Jesus. Why, I mean, we were created People walk like Job. We all went our own way. People walk like Job, but, but it was Ooh. your choice. Job, Job walked <laughs> yeah, like Job. Job wasn't I'm Jesus. About today. People do. Really? Absolutely. Where are they at? <laughs> ben. Or you, you, you may not recognize you may not yeah you may not recognize it for number one the, the, the scripture says that they accused Jesus they said John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking right, that's right. 
and they say he's the devil. But the Son of Man has come both eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton, a wine bibber, and a friend of sinners. So they recognize Jesus as being a sinner, okay, because they couldn't recognize him. Because the scribes, the Pharisees, all those people, they thought Jesus was a sinner. He was healing on the Sabbath. It felt like he was breaking the law. He, was drink, he drank wine, thought he was a drunkard. Uh, he, he, ate, he ate maybe a lot of them. They thought he was a glutton. They saw that he was witnessing and sharing the Lord with, with sinners. They said he's a friend of sinners. So they thought he was a sinner. They didn't think he was righteous. That's why Jesus says you, you judge after appearance. He said judge righteous judgment. You know, uh, I, I know a lot of people. I know lots of people that, that aren't living, in, that aren't sinning. I don't believe I'm sinning. I quit um, sinning. Yeah, I'm talking about somebody that was born upright. And I guess there's angels amongst us that re, you read that in Hebrews. But I don't know anybody that was born and a child has never made, mm-hmm. had any kind of, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do exist, but we should probably know them, right? The nature of man is just mess up for God's creation. Yeah. Nature? Yeah, man's man, man goes his own. No, he does. He does. He creates his own nature, yeah, sin nature, exactly, right. exactly, because he begins so to we get into our own sin nature. Yes, it's, but it's not inherited sin nature. It's the sin nature you create. For instance, when you get enticed. In, yeah. in, okay, l- listen to this. I've never done drugs in my life. I'm not tempted for drugs at all. Right. But a person that has done drugs, they get tempted in it. Sure. The deeper you go into sin. Sure. The bigger the trap sure, is. Sure, but your temptation could be a lot different than somebody that's done or, or take it, take it Jesus. Let's just go to Jesus. He never gave in to temptation. That's right. So how strong of a temptation did he have? He had strong temptations. He had strong that's temptations, but if he had sinned, the temptation would have been, been stronger. But it would have been, been, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm just trying to say to you, why do men get so trapped in these sins and all? Because they, they go deeper in it. Sure. They go deeper in it. Anybody, and it drives them deeper. And it's harder to get loose from those sins sure. then. It's fine. You know, yeah. the way the, the scriptures are written in Luke 4, it sounds like the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness right. for the purpose of being tempted. Yes. That was the purpose of that church. Yes. That 40 days. With him. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's go back to Hebrews 4 right now. Um, so we see that Jesus was tempted. Uh, let's finish in verse in chapter two uh, of Hebrews, chapter two of Hebrews. And um, he said he was the seed of Abraham, verse 17, wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like his brethren. It behoved Jesus to be made like a human. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation, to die for us, for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted. It wasn't just that he was tempted. He suffered in the temptation. Like he just was talking about him shedding his blood. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That kind of suffering would really hurt. Suffered being tempted. Being able, by doing that, being able to secure our, a better word would be what? What's in your, what's in your, uh, to, um, uh, to, to help, to, to uh, be an example uh, uh, to them that are tempted. So sure. what kind of example, if, if, if Don and I was, was going to race, and Don had these bionic legs, he might have them too, I don't know, and we went out for a race, and Don's got these super bionic legs, yeah. this power, then Don, and he said, man, I, I want to race you. We don't, I mean, we don't even ground. Let's go. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm not racing you, Don. You got these bionic legs. That's, it's not a fair race. Mm-hmm. It's be like saying Jesus had this power in him that he really wasn't an example because he's, he's going to make the right choice every time and, and he can't help but do that. So it's really not, he really didn't go through what I go through then because he's got all this power that I never had. But see, he limited, he came down... He behoved him to be made like a man so that he could be tempted like us. He could go through those temptations like us and feel the same things, feel our weaknesses and those same things. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says here. Oh, you still remember that? <laughs> 
I thought you forgot that. Wow. Verse 15. Uh, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, infirmities, is what, is what, what it means is our weaknesses, but was in how many points? All points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So he was tempted just like us, yet he was without sin. Amen. Look at Hebrews while we're there, the next chapter, first chapter five. Verse eight. Come on, that's it. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. If he was all God, he wouldn't have to learn obedience, would he? He'd already know obedience. But as a son, the Bible said he grew in wisdom and stature. The Bible said he did not know. Guess what? Somebody changed Jesus' diapers when he was a baby. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they had to change his diapers. He had to grow as a little child and grow up. And he said he, su- he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. What, Ben? I don't know if they had diapers back then. <laughs> oh. What did they, what, what they wear, Ben? I don't know what they wear, but they wear diapers. <laughs> Pampers? Pampers? <laughs> I don't know what they wear. They wear diapers. Okay, you, you with me? I'm with you, yeah. Anybody have a question or anything? So, the conclusion. May I ask you the question? Could Jesus have sinned? Yes, he could, he could have, yes. He could have, absolutely. Okay. He could have, yes. Would Jesus have sinned? Absolutely not. He, he would he have? Would he have? Yeah. If he could, he's making a choice. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he, but he didn't. He yeah, didn't. He could have. But he could have. He, it would have. he would have not fulfilled what he was here to do, number one. Two, he wouldn't be. He, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be Jesus Christ. He wouldn't be the Messiah. I mean, it would have been anyway. Yeah, he could the, have. The, but they rebuttal. The rebuttal from the person that said this said said that God, that Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh, as you know, John one. And he said Jesus was God, no doubt. And he says God is love. First John four. And he said, love, and then First uh, Corinthians 13, love works no ill. He said, therefore, Christ could not have sinned because he was God, and he was love, and love works no ill. I got a question. And this is kind of See, he emptied himself of being God. That's this what he's not sure the guy can see. What, Ben? You hear what, Ben? <laughs> oh, really? What, Mr. Ben? switching gears, but I want to ask you a question. But you don't like me to switch gears. No, no, no. Okay. Right. I hear this a whole lot. I hear nor this, nor that, nor this, nor that could separate me from the love of God. Oh, that's right. Nothing but you. Nothing but you. What do you mean? Nothing, Nothing can separate you from the love of God but you. You always have a choice. You can but always make a decision. If I make that choice, it's going to separate me from the love of God, okay? That's right. So Because you hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Well, it's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It's in Scripture. But I hear that a whole lot. But there is things that can separate you from you, the love of God. Your choice but can separate you. The government can't. The Satan But your behavior. You can. But other things out there cannot separate God from you. Only you can. So I don't think that's what what the scripture says. Neither. But that's height nor depth nor this or that. It's no. just saying anything outwardly. Satan can't come and destroy your relationship with God. Only you can do that. Other things cannot. But my disobedience. This is a scripture they use a lot along with that, Ben, in, in, in John uh, 10 and verse um, um, 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see? So they say, You see? Nobody can pluck them out of my hand. They have eternal life. You, eternal life means eternity, so you can't. You can't lose eternal life because it's eternal. And uh, you're his sheep. Therefore, there's no way nobody can pluck you out of his hand. Now, what's the answer to that? There is. Uh, but the wait a minute. What's the answer to that? To, is there any way that anybody can pluck you out of his hand? Yeah, what's the yeah, answer? You, you, 
can be plucked out of the hand by your disobedience. Actually, the, actually, the preceding verse is, is the answer. My sheep hear my voice, right. and they follow me. That's right. If you're following Jesus, right. but if you, that, that works for you. But if you, you decide to quit following Jesus, then, you are, then you're plucked out of his hand. See, the, I think the world hangs on to, there's nothing, I don't care what I do or what anybody does, will not separate me from the love of what God that's has That's the church that nowadays preach. Well, that's right. That's, so that's what okay I'm saying. So it's okay to sin because I can do anything I, I want. I can do whatever I want to do. Because he's gonna, he's gonna love me no matter what. And there's a lot of people doing that, saying that, and they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna go to perdition. They're gonna go to ruin because it's what's wrong. The rest of the yeah. They don't want that. They want the yeah. goodness of God, not the severity. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's amazing how you can, you can look at the, the most of the church world today, and they have completely eliminated the words of Jesus Christ, and they've gone and made their own doctrine. And, and yeah, and all that, and all that, they but they've, they've they've eliminated the words of Christ, and they've just gone on and made their own way, and it's going to suffer eternally because of that, because of man's doctrine. It's just amazing how deceived most of the world, what's called the Christian world, has made themselves by doing such a thing. Yeah. Reigning their ignorance. Okay, Ben, you ready to go on? Everybody got that? You all want to move forward? What you got? You good? Everybody good? Okay. So we're going back to the discipline? Yeah, we're going that direction, Ben. <laughs> okay, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. 12. 12.5. That's where you want it, right? Yeah. I just got something. All right, tell us. Hey, so I know whenever I get something, I get like, you know, I get excited. It may be small. You probably like, you shouldn't have known that, you know, but when, it's, when it pops out. So if you read the next verse in John 11, uh, if you keep going, it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works that I have showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? Mm -hmm. And the people in Matthew 7 who were followers of Christ were also doing good works. But they, they missed the first step of Jesus, which who did no sin. Mm -hmm. So Matthew 7, 23, the Lord says, depart from me, you workers of sin. And he said, Lord, we did exactly what Jesus, you know, we did at works. Yeah. But they they, they, they didn't, didn't bring the fruit. They didn't read, they didn't do the step one. You know? There's another scripture. Um, that's good. That's good, Cedric. Second Corinthians of five, I want to bring out concerning what I said a while ago. This this just popped out at me this morning when I was talking to the group, mm -hmm. and and, uh, I, and you know it's really clear to me when I said that when the Lord showed it to me in verse sixteen. He says, and I've always looked at the scripture and wondered, well, now, what, what does this really mean? But it says, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Like when he was on earth, we knew him after the flesh. But we don't know him in the same way anymore because now he's with the Father as God. You know, as, as the fullness of God. The fullness of God here. Why? When G even when Jesus came back, he really wasn't the same. The disciples most of the time didn't even recognize him. Then he was walking through walls. Uh, he, and yet he was able to eat food. He had a body that was not only, that was both earthly and heavenly. And then they watched him and he flew up in the sky, you know. He was different. We knew him after the flesh before that he, that he was being tempted. That he was going through all these hardships and, and showing us an example. But then once he resurrected, he wasn't the same. Then we knew him after the spirit. We knew him after the flesh before. Right, he was a glorified body, and, and, and he was, and, and he was in his fullness. He was in his fullness. There were a couple guys on the road that didn't recognize him until he allowed them to recognize. Yeah, exactly. He opened their eyes. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Amen. Mm, I just thought we'd bring that in. All right. Ben wants to talk about the chastening of the Lord. What I want to talk about. It says that he disciplines us. Chastening will discipline. Why would we need to be 
Let's read the scripture. Okay. Okay, let's read it. Um, he says in verse 5, he said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. First of all, I want to talk about that word chastening, what that really means. The word chasten there in the Greek, if you go to the Greek, it actually means teaching. Teaching, yes, it actually means teaching. It's the same Greek word that is used in Titus, if you want to turn there, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Where are you at? 12.5. I'm at 12. Where are you at? I was at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, um, verse 5, and now I'm at Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Verse 12 is the one, it's the same Greek word. For the, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present life. Yeah, but look at that word and look at the word teaching in Titus 2 and 12, and it's the same Greek word. Um, and so... As we look at this, the chastening of the Lord, uh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Lord, Father, chasteneth not? But if you without chasten, you're without chastening, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we had fathers of, the, of our flesh which cor corrected us and gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject, sub, in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, Unto them which are exercised there thereof. See, in, in nine, verse nine, he actually uses the word correct instead of chasing, kind of interchangeably. So it's like a form of correction. It's a form of instruction. Job was chastened of the Lord. He was chastened with losing his children. He lost uh, all of his possessions. He got physically sick. But yet the Lord said that he never sinned. So a lot of people feel like, well, if you chasten, that means you corrected for sin in your life. And that's not necessarily so. Because many were, were chastened. The Lord himself was chastened. He said the chastisement of peace was upon him. He was chastened of, of the Father. Uh, they whipped him. They scourged him. The, the Lord allowed all that. But that was uh, to bring him to, to, to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. To be partakers of his holiness. When, when you endure chastening and you keep going through it, it's like there's tests that come into your life. Um, we, we go through tests. And when we go through those tests and we come forth, we bring forth fruit unto God that is pleasing unto the Lord. Everyone has to go through tests. That's what he's saying. Everyone is tested. Everyone is chastened. Everyone is corrected. And if you endure the chastening, then you are sons with the Father. Proverbs 3 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. That's right. Uh, even as the Father. So, too, in, in, in Psalms of Proverbs, I know there's a scripture that says, talking about my son, a, a wise son heeds the instruction, the words there, the destruction of his father. I think in one, one verse it says, and mother, but a fool rejects and despises it. It's the same type thing. It's that instruction, correction. A person, now when, when you're even talking about that correction, uh, according to the rest of the scriptures, if there's something in your life the Lord puts his finger on, 
it's different than something in your life, in a person's life, that is those sins that are unto death. You know what sins are unto death, right? Sins unto death are listed in the scripture of unforgiveness, adultery, fornication, um, lasciviousness, envy, strife, murder, hatred. Those, when you list those sins in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 5, Romans chapter 1, Revelation chapter 21, it gives a list. If you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That is sins unto death. There are also sins that are not unto death that are not listed in that in that list, but they're sins, but they're not unto death. Like you know, like say you're going down the road, or and you, uh, Jill hates this example, but you're going two miles over the speed limit. That's not the Lord's not going to send you to hell for that. Okay, that's not a sin unto death. Say something with with your wife, and you 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 um. You say something that offends them or say something that offends somebody else. That's not a sin unto death. The Lord will correct you for sometimes in, in your life. He'll say, listen, I don't want you to do that anymore. Something in your I life. if you respond to your wife and you're in anger about something that she did, or you were just, you got upset, you, you got, you got, you were angry and then you made her angry. One of the things that list, one of the things that's in, one of the things that's listed in, in, the, in that list is anger, wrath. Okay, right. so yes, that is. Now, the, the, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. And that means that God's anger does not, that man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Righteous. But God has an anger, and sometimes there will be an anger come across you that you're angry at the devil, that you're angry at, at sure. sin, that you're angry at what's in the world. That's not sin. But, but sin, the Bible says sin is the transgression of God's law, the moral law. And he lists those sins that, are, that transgress his law. And there are other sins that he talks about that, if a, uh, that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That if you're doing something and the Lord puts his finger on it, you're not doing it in faith, then, you, then he's dealing with you to stop doing it. And you keep doing it, then, you, then you're getting into dangerous territory where that sin can become a sin of death. But they're the ones that we know for sure that we can assuredly say are sins to death are those sins that are listed that he talks about. Sin to death, the Lord's not trying to correct the person that's a murderer here. He's not talking about a murderer because they're not a son. And he said every son that he received, he chastens. They're not a son, you see, because they've done sins unto death. The Lord's not trying to correct an adulterer or a fornicator because they're not even in. First of all, you've got to be in. You know, and, it, and, and I, w- I want to bring up another scripture with this because it keeps coming to my mind as I'm talking about this. But another scripture with this that's very important is a scripture we talk about many times, but there's a part of it that, that we haven't really talked about that I want to ask you about. And it's in 2 Corinthians 7.10 that you all know that for godly sorrow leads to repentance and repentance to salvation, which is not to be repented of. I want to talk about the last part of it, where it's not to be repented of. What does that mean? Come on. You know, I mean, repentance is a complete change of direction. That's right. Going in the opposite direction of what you were doing. So he's really so repenting of his repentance. From repenting, then you right back to where Exactly. Going. That's good, Don. Because sin, repentance is turning from your old life to your new life, right? Changing my turning from old life to new life. And it comes to salvation. But what if after you have salvation, you repent again? Where you're changing, you change your life from your new life to your old life. And a lot of people get repentance confused. They think, well, I can just, I'm just repenting and then I'm going back and believing. And then I'm repenting and I'm going back. That's not repentance. That's apologies is what you're actually doing. You make an apology. Repentance is that you stop doing it. That's a good No. It's confession, and that's right. where we got absolution, they called it, yeah. uh, was, uh, was just confession. It, it didn't talk about golly sorrow, you had penance. No, we talked about three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers and an act of contrition. Yeah, <laughs> okay. a, list, a list is supposed to fulfill. 
But it's not just the Catholic, it's, it's the Protestant as well. Because they believe in a sin, repent, continuous thing in your life. That's not what God has. You're doing it over again. It's like he said, if we sin willfully after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for you sin. And that's what you're doing because say, if, say, I, say, I, say I'm cussing. I'm using, I, I get, me and my wife have an argument and I start cussing her. And I, then I say, man, I, I repent, man. I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, my wife. Uh, but then next week we get an argument again and I curse her again. Did I ever really repent? No, I didn't repent. I said, I apologize, but that's not repentance. Repentance is when I turn from ever doing that again. Repentance does not happen until you've completely turned away from doing that ever again. It's almost like a change of and, and if I see myself doing that the next week, then I got to realize and tell myself, man, I really didn't re hadn't repented of that. I need to really get things right. Can you talk about the understanding that you talked about today? Yeah. And the Lord just, uh, the other day I was sharing with my wife, and I, I would say, I, wanted, I, I could talk to you then, but I, because uh, I'm like, do you ever sit down and talk to your wife about, you know, uh, my, my wife and I have a great relationship, and I don't say that because she's here, but she's, we just, we've been through a lot of hell in the past, but we really, we really live in a lot of heaven right now. She's a wonderful wife, I, I love her with all my heart. And, uh, and we, we talk about the word together. We, I get up in the morning, I, I read something, I share it with her. She shares back, you know, and she asks me questions about the word, and I, I, I share that with her, and we, go, and, we, and we have such good communion. We pray together. We, we talk about the Lord. We love our children. We, we, uh, we just have a wonderful relationship, you know, and, and, and God, and it's just been a blessing. And, and so I enjoy doing that. So the other morning I got up and, and I said, honey, I said, the Lord... The Lord put something. I'm already showed me something, and uh, and I was reading, the, and I was sharing with, with Cedric, and I was reading the parable of the sower, you know, Matthew 13, and I was reading there, and, and in the parable of the sower, it says that uh, a sower went forth to sow seed, right, and and as he sowed seed, some seed fell upon the wayside, and it said that that the fowls of the air came and ate and took the seed out of his heart and and went on, and he says these are they that they hear the word, but they understand it not. And that wicked one comes and takes that which was sown out of his heart. Okay? That's right. The first one. The second one. The second one was the one that hears the word, but it falls on stony ground. Stony ground is like, say, out in the driveway where there's little cracks in the driveway. Every now and then you'll see some grass grow up. But I kill, I kill it with the ground up. But... Uh, but it'll, it'll endure for a while, but, but say you get a little, almost like a little tree trying to grow there. Well, it won't endure because it, doesn't, it can't get enough root in it. It can't get enough fertilizer. It can't get enough soil. So that's the person that doesn't have any root. He heard the word, but he didn't completely understand what it was. And he endured for a little while, but he fell away. The third one, the Bible says, this seed was sown. And it fell among the thorns and the briars. Be still. And, uh, and when it fell upon the thorns and the briars, that represented the cares and the riches of this world, right? You've seen people, that, they, they hear the word, they rejoice in the word, you know, and they, they, they endure for a while again. But then because they started getting so busy caring and wanting money so bad that they didn't have time for the word, and it choked, the Bible says it choked the word. When you get choked, you ever get somebody choking you and you can't breathe in and out? You can't get the word in and you can't get it out because you choked. And they didn't understand either. But then the last one, the Bible says, the last seed, it fell on good ground. And the good, good ground, the Bible says, that man understood. He says he understood with the word. And when he understood it, he brought forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And I, began, I looked up the word understand, Don, and when I looked up the word understand in Greek, it said it was the type of the understanding of understanding from turning from evil to good, from unrighteousness to unrighteousness. They didn't understand that what it took to be a good, fruit, good tree, a good fruit, was that they had to turn from their sin to righteousness. Isn't that the same thing going on today? 
They don't understand. <laughs> and that's what he said. When the seed fell, they didn't understand what, what, what the cost was. It's like Luke 14, where a man went forth to build a house, but he didn't sit down first and count the cost to see if he had enough funds to finish building the house. So he built it, and then he couldn't finish it. Don knows all about that. And not that you're doing it, but, but you've seen people start building, and you're like, man, that's going to be nice, but then they run out of money because they, they didn't count the cost. So they, so they laughed at the scorn is what the Bible says. What is the cost? Understand what the cost is. We've got to understand it. The cost is, is to lose your life by understanding you're turning from evil to good to bring forth good fruit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Anything else on that, Ben? That's your name, isn't it? It is. I just yeah. remember. Okay. Uh, no, it's been, it is a lot more study that I, I need to get into doing with that. Because how I took it, you know, it kind of comes across to me is if the Lord's still correcting you, then you're not what we say dead. To, if there's still correction going on and the Lord's still putting his finger on some stuff, you're not walking upright. One thing about it, when you when the Lord talks about being perfect, He, he doesn't mean perfect. Thought, yeah, he, he doesn't mean perfect in knowledge right. and understanding. Yeah. He's talking about being perfect as far as not walking in well, sin. You know, if you're, if you're saying you're a believer and you're dead to sin, and you're listening to some secular music, and the Lord's putting His finger on that, and you're just going to continue doing it, then you're not really. Okay, I, w- I want to show you one more thing, and, and we'll close. I always, when I, when I read a scripture, and you always have to keep this in mind, when somebody gives you a scripture or something and tells you this is what it says, always read the preceding verses and the, and the forwarding verses from where that scripture is. Okay, we read the preceding verses. What did the preceding verses say? The preceding verses from that said, to lay aside every weight of sin which does so easily beset you and run that race, right? So it was talking about get rid of sin in your life. Okay, the, 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 the scriptures afterwards says, if you do that, these things, if you chase the Lord and you receive the chastening, what? You become a partaker of his holiness, right? Yeah. Okay. Then right after that, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, uh, it says in uh, verse 14 after that, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So you see, it's not talking about sin. He wouldn't be talking about living in holiness because you wouldn't even see the Lord. That's not a son. You see, and then he goes, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, lest any fornicators, as Esau. So he's telling you that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, these. So you're looking at the context of the scripture, and somebody can say, well, you see, I'm a son, and all sons sin, and therefore we all chase it. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying without holiness, you're not going to see God. He's saying lay aside every weight and sin which justice so easily besets you, preceding and afterward. So that helps m- give you the mix of what the scripture's saying. And not only that scripture, but the whole counsel of the word of God. Yeah. You see? Yeah, I, when, I, when I discovered that scripture, I read it last night. I didn't just pick out this go into that scripture. I've been reading the whole book of Hebrews. And I just I brought it to you earlier today. Because that's just how I kind of felt. But if your heart is pure and you're walking with the Lord, there's some things the Lord has put in your hand. You may not even realize that. I guess you realize that it would be sin. Okay, you could be talking to somebody, Ben, and the Lord could say, you know, um, I don't, I don't speak to, speaking just to you and says, I, I don't want you to say that anymore. Okay? And really, you didn't even really see a lot that it wasn't really a sin that was outright coming out of the word, but the Holy Spirit dealt with you and you said, I don't want you saying that anymore. And you say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to say or do that right. anymore. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm talking about by some things that the Lord chastens to correct. Sure. But he's not coming to you and saying, uh, being you fornicating, right. uh, I don't want you doing that anymore. You already know not to do sure. that anymore. Right. That's written. That's there a sin of the death. things that we're going to go through, maybe or maybe not, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you're, you're watching the TV and you got a little cussing going on and you, you, you feel like it's okay and the Lord just keeps quickening to you to it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't know if that's a sin or the death or whatever, because I'm around cussing all day long, but if I'm subjecting myself to watching something with some Different, cussing, that's right. and I don't turn it off, then you sin. Because it's, no, it's not a faith, it's sin. He that knows to do good, he does not do it, it's sin. 
So all those things that kept it. The rest of the two seasons didn't have the cussing, but from that decision right there, if I would have kept watching it, then you get your you conscience is seared. Yep, it becomes sin, and before you know it, you're watching already movies you care less. And before you're doing and all kinds you're, of stuff, you fall from grace. Because you didn't. For a person like me, I could be doing drugs in the next couple of weeks from all that right there. Because you, you let it creep in. Because you let it creep in. You opened up. You opened up. Like Skip used to say, you opened up Pandora's box. Don't give any place to the devil. That's what the Bible says. I really want to watch that new season. I'll tell you what. Anybody got anything else on it? Wasn't that good? You learned something? You learned that? That's good. That's a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Amen.